Meine Damen und Herren, darauf haben Sie alle gewartet. Wir Welcome to Shakrut, everybody. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Nico. Hi, Tommy. Yo, yo, yo. Hi, Kimberly. <laughs> Hi, Nico and Tommy. <laughs> What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? Oh, we're good, I guess. It's it's sunny here in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm doing well. The seasonal allergies have hit, so I've got little itchy eyes and all that fun stuff, but I'm doing really well. Sounds good. We had really a good episode last time. I'm happy we can do it again today. And um, yeah, what's on the program today, Tommy? So for our listeners, of course, what's on our program today? So we're going to um, read out some poems. Um, Kimberly has a poem about love. Am I right? You are. Correct. Okay, good. <laughs> You're just going to spoil it all to start with. You know, like, spoiler, <laughs> you don't even need to watch the episode because Tommy's just going to tell it all right now. And Spoiler. my poem is gonna be be a bit weird. It's gonna be about the unborn children. Yeah, your poem's always weird. We used to that. Why did you and, take my line, Nico? <laughs> and as a bonus, um, we'll start with a poem from someone that we like dearly. He's a friend of ours. He's called Uchebre. He's currently an FLTA at the NYU, um, the New York University. And he kindly sent me um, a poem, um, a recording of, he, of him reading a poem from uh, Ravidranath Tagore, which is, who is uh, an Indian poem, and the poem is called Where the Mind is Without Fear. So I suggest we listen to that in the first place. Yeah, well, and you can't forget that we're going to do culture shock, as always, but I'm not even going to tell you what the theme is until we get there. Sounds good. Because no, I'm not. This is what you're going to do to our listeners. Yeah, Kimberly. exactly. You're not going to tell them? Wow. No, they have to listen to find out. Okay, so let's listen to Uchad Ray saying, Where the mind is without fear. Good evening, everyone. This is Utshab. I'm a Fulbright language teaching assistant for Bangla in New York University. Uh, thanks to Shakrut for having me here. Today happens to be the 159th birth anniversary of the world-famous poet Rabindranath Tagore, or Tagore, as we better know him. Uh, today, let me take this chance to read one of his very famous poems, which is taken from Gitanjali. And I think the poem is very contextual for these very difficult times that we are facing. The poem is called, Where the Mind is Without Fear. Where the mind is without fear and the head is held high, where knowledge is free, where the world has not been broken up into fragments by narrow domestic walls, where words come out from the depth of truth, where tireless striving stretches its arms towards perfection, 
where the clear stream of reason has not lost its way into the dreary desert sand of dead habit, where the mind is led forward by thee into ever-widening thought and action, into that heaven of freedom, my father, let my country awake. Well, that was really impressive. I loved it. Um, it. It was so inspirational, and he did a great job reading it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also very nice when I listen to the poem that his voice is so powerful. Oh yeah. You really yeah. have to feel that you're kind of in an auditorium, and that you're really listening to him presenting the poem. And you, it's a very powerful, I think, performance. He's actually. Yeah, which is wonderful. Yeah. Put he's together, a, yeah, into this he, audio. Wow. He performed it. It's a performance and it's really awesome. And uh, we are glad to announce a listener that Uchab, along with a friend of his, uh, is going to be here in the show next week, hopefully. Yeah. So that was a glimpse of what you're going to have next week. So get ready for that. It's going to be pretty awesome. Okay. Who wants to start? Kimberly. Sure. I'd love to. Last Thank time you. we did poems, I did a, like a poem of empowerment by Maya Angelou. Um, but this time I wanted to do something different, maybe one that um, is a little bit more vulnerable for me. I don't know why, but um, it feels a little like silly, like how unusual a girl's doing a love poem. But <laughs> I actually like um, um, really like this poem. And um, I think I actually am a pretty sentimental person and a pretty sensitive person. And um, I think one of my like goals in life is to love people well, um, to let them know that they're loved and that they, that they know that and they feel that. And so that's one of the things that I aspire to is that um, people are, know that they're loved if they're my friends or my family. And um, this is a poem by a poet named E.E. E. Cummings. And he is a Harvard educated poet from the, uh, the 20th century, the early 1900s. This poem is copyrighted from the 1950s. Um, he was considered avant-garde for his time. Today, you would think probably nothing of it, but for his time, he was avant-garde um, because he ignored conventional punctuation and syntax in favor of, of a dynamic use of language. Um, and I really love it. A another common thing of his is that he repeats words a lot, like within a phrase or a line. Um, and he has a poetic, um, a poetic language of his own, but he you, he uh, writes poetry about normal things like love and childhood and flowers. So, E.E. Um, e. Cummings, are you guys ready for it? Yeah, sure. Okay, let's do it. All right, this one's called, I carry your heart with me, I carry it in. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear. And whatever is done by only me is your doing, my darling. I fear no fate, for you are my fate, my sweet. I want no world, for beautiful you are my world, my true. And it's you are whatever a moon has always meant, and whatever a sun will always sing is you. Here is the deep secret nobody knows here is the root of the root and the bud of the bud and the sky of the sky of a tree called life 
which grows higher than soul can hope or mind can hide. And this is the wonder that's keeping the stars apart. I carry your heart. I carry it in my heart. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think it's just true, like, that, you know, whether it's romantic <laughs> love or any sort of, like, when we choose to love somebody else, um, we just carry part of them with us, um, no matter what. So, hope you liked it. Yeah, it's really good. Thank you. And I didn't know... Yeah, I was thinking, uh, you, you, yeah. I think I've heard the name before, and I know... This is a, is it a woman or is it a, 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 a man. male author? It's a man, yeah. It's a man. Yep. And that he's actually, he's a very good poet. Yeah, I, I've read, I think, some of his poems. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to ask you, because you mentioned before you read out the poem, that uh, when you kind of love somebody or when you kind of, I mean, it doesn't have to be romantic all the time, mm -hmm. but it, you open yourself up to loss. Would yeah. you say that it is always true, that it, it, whenever you kind of love somebody, you kind of have to risk that you might lose this person in a way be it physical or be it emotional or whatever do you think there's yeah. no other way to avoid because, this well yeah i think so i mean this is a different philosophical discussion but um maybe this is a sad statement but like you know something will part you whether that's death or time or distance or or whatever it is um I think that, I mean, that is something that I kind of, like, I feel sometimes, <laughs> like, I'm, like, totally, like, yeah, I am totally, like, a, I feel things really deeply as a person, and so, like, um, that's been just part of my story, is learning to, like, open myself up to, like, to that, and to say, like, I might lose it, but, like, um, to live with like just by yourself with no other sort of relationships is not worth it either and so yeah. um and no yeah. i agree i was just asking because i think that i mean i think the same way i think it's very hard to you know when you love somebody you have to be prepared to kind of so you can lose this person of course mm -hmm. and it will hurt hurt a lot mm -hmm. but i was just you know wondering if because love being wonderful and whenever you think of love you don't think of pain but i think pain is almost unavoidable when it comes to love sometimes. Yeah, I, and I agree with that because I think like, you know, the what is the opposite of love? I actually don't think it's hate. I think it's indifference. Like to actually like, if you love somebody, you care about them. And if, if you don't, you are indifferent. You don't care at all about them. I mean, to actually hate something, you have to pay attention to it. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much. Nico, what do you think? Um, do you, would you agree or do you think that love is just <laughs> wonderful and it never kind of has anything to do with pain? The whole story of humanity is based on um, <clears throat> disappointings and um, injuring love oh, in some way. So um, yeah. the thing is that we are bonded by love and we are um, so much dependent of it. Um, in some way, we build, our, we build ourselves answering to all the sorrow that love can create in some way. You can read that in Orpheus, you can read that in uh, Dante's Inferno, where the lover actually goes down in, in hell to search for his loved one. Um, 
love creates sorrow, creates really wonderful things as well, but without it, we are nothing. So that's what I think. And uh, it was a bit cheesy, wonderful. sorry about no, that. Wonderful. But, uh, no, no, it was good. It was good. <laughs> I'm glad you just didn't like laugh at me for choosing a love poem. I like. No, I, I would never la laugh at someone. Thank who you. Talks about Thank that. you. No, that's I the most noble thing on earth. So I, I would not do that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, to my poem. So my poem was written by Josef Roth. Josef Roth was an Austrian author, but actually he grew up in what's now Hungary, but it was once one empire, the Hungarian-Austrian Empire. So he was considered Austrian. He was an Austrian author. And there is even one street called uh, Josef Rothstrasse in, in Vienna. So one street was named after him, and there is even... A monument for him by that was built by a bank, a famous bank in Austria, Bank Austria. And Nico, why are you so laughing he, right now? <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm okay. So, Josef Roth is a big deal, and he actually died 1939 before uh, the Second World War uh, in Paris. So he's also kind of. A lot of actually Austrian offers kind of end up in Paris. Don't ask me why. Nobody. I'm sorry no, about that. No, but, wasn't, <laughs> but Paris was considered like the center of, of like uh, artistic culture at a certain point. So uh, that makes sense. I don't want to say that. I no. probably just broke your heart. Right <laughs> but, you know. No, I'm just kidding. Paris was considered a big center of culture and I think it still is. He, it seems like it pained him to say that, Nico. At the moment, it's not very a place yeah. of culture. It's just a place of uh, lockdown. <laughs> of, of lockdown and and subway malfunctioning. But one day, it's <laughs> gonna come alive again. But I'm tell sure. me, just to do no. to do a bad joke about uh, the author. So I guess he's not hungry anymore. <laughs> no, no, he isn't. No. Okay. Got it. No, I, I, I said my joke. That's no, what you were laughing that. about in your head the whole time, wasn't it? Yeah. I could see you were laughing. I knew it. Yeah, this is, this is my, my first uh, really bad phone in English, so I'm happy about that. Okay, tell me we want to hear it now. Okay, so the poem is called Lied der ungeborenen Kinder, and translated it means the song of the unborn children. Of course. And I'm just going to start out, and then I'm going <laughs> to... It's, it's hard not to laugh. <laughs> not because of the poem, but because of your comments. So I'm going to start. <laughs> and then I'll, I will tell you more about the poem. Lied der ungeborenen Kinder. Wir sind nur ein leises, zartes Wehen. Ihr könnt uns nicht sehen. Wir sind nur Gedanken und leichter als Hauch, aber wir leben auch. Wir sind nie gewesen, wir durften nicht sein. Nur Wünsche sind wir, nicht Fleisch und nicht Bein. Eure innigsten Träume waren wir mal und jetzt eure Qual. Wir schweben um euch aus leichter Duft. Ihr greift nach uns und greift die Luft. Wir sind gar nicht da und ihr könnt uns nicht fassen. Ihr müsst uns hassen. Nur in manchen Träumen fangt ihr uns ein. Dann liegen wir an euren Herzen. Und träumen lächelt ihr das Schmerzen und denkt nicht der Qualen, die wir euch gemacht, bis sie erwacht. Good, so that was the poem. Not Thank weird. you so much. It's sad. <laughs> I know. It is, it is sad, yeah. It is sad. So, uh, Josef Roth kind of lived through the First uh, World War, 
And uh, many of his stories and poems actually they deal with with pain and um, I would say that it's called Ungeborenen Kinder, the unborn children, because um, people knew when they kind of when women were pregnant and when kind of they were expecting children, of course, that um, they will be in a lot of pain because, of course, there was a famine going on after the First World War and even after the Second one, but especially after the First World War. And, and many people knew that many children will not make it and they will have to suffer and maybe the parents will have to suffer because they will have to provide food. So it's about all this kind of this pain that people knew that they will have to go through when they kind of, okay. um, when, when they kind of get children, of course, yeah. And now we have the cultural shock. Shock. Shock, shock, shock. Okay, today we're going to talk about playing hooky. Playing hooky. What is like playing hooky, Kimberly? Playing hooky is like skipping school. Oh, I never did that. Or like, I, you could also use it as like, I'm going to play hooky from my responsibilities. But mm -hmm. it's a great, it's a great turn of phrase in English. Playing hooky. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh no. And this is this is what I wanted to talk about. Is it a common thing to skip class at the university in college or university in the U.S.? Because in France, it definitely is a very common thing. Mm -hmm. Well, what are your experiences so far? Like I again, like I said, I at one point I think I've said I graduated college in 2010, so that's like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and the really like I didn't want to skip class that wasn't like my purpose but I often skipped class because I needed to do something else for another class not sure. because I just wanted to have fun so in my university years I took 18 credits every every semester and I graduated the university in three and a half years instead of four um, and I worked my butt off so um, like what often would happen was so like during part of my university because i studied to be a teacher so i had clinicals every day of the week so like monday wednesday friday i had to drive 45 minutes to another high school to give german lessons and then tuesdays and thursdays i gave german lessons at an elementary school and then i had to prepare all of these lessons you know and i sometimes would skip other classes to do mm. that um unfortunately the class i skipped probably the most was pop music <laughs> oh, I'm so disappointed at that. Okay. What about you, Tom? Is it a common thing to skip class at um, gymnasium or colleges or? So when you're in gymnasium, which would be equivalent of a high school, it's not, of course, common. You're not allowed to. Students do it when they hit puberty, especially, you know, with 14, 15, 16, of course. Um, I actually, I don't think I ever skipped school without my parents' permission. Yes, Kimberly, do you mm -hmm. want to say something? I was just going to put it back <laughs> on you. Sure, that's what you're saying, if <laughs> any of your students ever watch this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was a good student. <laughs> I, believe, I believe you. And, but uh, university is the different thing because uh, there are lectures where you don't, where attendance is not mandatory. There are seminars and kind of courses where you have to be present and you're only allowed to miss two classes. Um, yeah, so university, I would say lectures that you don't have to visit or where there is no mandatory attendance, students skip them. They just kind of 
study for the exam with some um, kind of learning material they get from a colleague or they find on the internet and that's it. But there are a lot of things you actually have to, to attend as well. And when you skip those too many times, you, you, you're a failure automatically. Yeah. How about you, Nico? What is the situation like at France? In, in, at France. In France. And I'd love to hear about your experiences at St. Thomas with that, both of you. Okay. So um, in France, it's a very common thing, like all levels. Um, basically, the thing is that the first week of class is normal. You still have amphitheaters that are kind of full. But past the second week, it starts to be really less crowded. And sometimes you end up being almost the only ones in, in class. That happened to me. And the worst thing that happened to me is to be the only one attending an English class when I was at the university in my hometown. Uh, and for several sessions, it was only me and the teacher. And we were something like 30 persons in the, in the beginning of the year. And it ended up being just a kind of individual one-to-one -one thing and was not supposed to be that at all. And in the end, you know, you know, so what could you guess from this situation? What's the next step? You know, like maybe the last students leave or something like that. I didn't leave. The teacher left. <laughs> oh I was the only God. one remaining. That's crazy. Yeah. But you are my maybe the best student in history. No, yeah, I don't think crazy. I am. But but the thing is that um, in, especially English classes are so overlooked mm -hmm. in higher studies in France. Once you are not forced to do that anymore, mm -hmm. um, usually you just drop. And this wow. is what I didn't do because it's I so wanted surprising. to teach English. In, yeah, it's really surprising because it's so useful. But some people actually just tend to specialize themselves from the second or third year of, of university. So they kind of like, yeah, I don't need that anymore. And that's why English is sometimes perceived as a drag or something you have to do when they, when they take it is that they have to do it. And uh, to, to just um, catch up with what Kimberly asked as well, this is also my feeling of some classes at St. Thomas. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like some students actually took some language classes, maybe sometimes by default or because they had to. And uh, it can play on the motivations of students and everything. But uh, nevertheless, I didn't see a lot of missing people in class in St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. I, I think most of the time it was like full classes. I mean, in the classes I was teaching and attending, um, a few persons were missing, but it's no more than two or three persons per class. And it's really awesome compared to what's going on in France. But as I was telling to Kimberly as well, uh, the other day we had a conversation and I was telling that the, the huge difference is also the price of the studies in France and in the US. I mean, uh, when you pay so much for a degree, you don't want to miss the class. That's a thing as well. In France, everything is free, almost free. So yeah, that's super interesting. So when I was at the university, I lived in the dorms and on the dorms, in the dorms, my prepositions today, um, they had these posters hanging on the wall and it said, like every time you skip class, you were wasting fifty dollars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well. Wow. Yeah. Great. So we learned an English term for skipping class, like playing hooky. What about in your languages? Do you have like a saying around that or a term, a special term for it? Okay, let's hear yours, Tommy. So you would say in German, "Schwänzen," "Schule Schwänzen." Mm -hmm. would be playing hooky or skipping school mm -hmm. but uh, there are actually two or three terms I would say informal terms mm -hmm. that are used but I can't think of them now well because, I've heard of like Blaumachen yeah. is one of them too but yeah 
Blaumachen is one as well, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's good to have a German teacher. And literally, what does it mean, literally? How do, would you translate Blau, it? Blaumachen is to like, to make blue. Okay, to make blue, okay. Mm -hmm. Like the Which colors. Means, okay, okay. And Yeah, that's uh, about it, but there are two or three, there are more things, but I, I, I was a good student, I don't know. Of course, of course. <laughs> None so, of your friends ever taught you them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going to tell you the French term. So um, you have two possibilities. The most common is to say sécher. It's a verb. It means to dry, literally. Sécher, je sèche le cours. I just skip class. This is the most common term. And another vintage term that I like would be faire l'école buissonnière, okay? Which would literally mean to do the school around the bush. So it means like, you know, the bush is buisson and it just literally means like to go in the bushes and instead of going- Like to down, hide kind of, yeah. Yeah, they call okay. buissonnière. So that's an adjective from bush, so. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I, it's I think, interesting I think, that all these languages yeah. have kind of different ways to kind of refer to skipping school. That's, that's actually amazing. Yeah. It's, that's, it's one of those, like, I was just thinking about our podcast and I was actually just thinking about actually how much our cultures have in common. You know, mm -hmm. I know we have differences, but like, yeah, this is another sense where it's like, this is maybe the common tendency of humankind to work yeah. our responsibilities every once in a while. No. Yeah. It, was really, it was really interesting. I'm looking at the chrono now and we have to unfortunately switch to the next section and which is the last section of the, of the day. Mm -hmm. um, Uchab, our friend, just sent us... Um, a track of the week he wants to share prior to his visit next week hopefully and uh, we're gonna play it now so thank you very much for coming and for listening uh, it was a great episode thank you guys thanks to you thank, thank you everybody you. yeah and the song is called magic magic tobo deca paiva and it's um by uh, an artist called arnold amazing amazing to hear it Chukrut. Chukrut. Kano me gashe, ridayo ya kashe, kano me gashe, ridayo ya kashe, tomare dekite dena, moho me ghe, tomare dekite dena, moho me ghe, tomare ondho kore. Dekhite dena, maje maje tabo dekha pai, chiro din kano pai na, maje maje tabo dekha pai, chiro din kano pai na, koni ko.
Oh uh-huh.